0: Welcome to the Moving Beyond Your Tribe, where we dig deep on how to stand out from the crowd by building bridges and breaking free from the comfort zone of colloquialism, industrial language, and jargon to find new words, new thinking, and new approaches to ignite action, mobilize a wider network of ambassadors, create customer loyalty, even in a downturn, and build better internal culture. Hi, I'm your host, Torin. I'm bilingual and throughout my life have straddled two cultures Norwegian and American. I've worked in 10 different industries spanning 25 countries. I have seen firsthand the power of diverse collaboration to create impact across cultures, countries, and the political divide. On this podcast, we will bring on notable leaders from all walks of life to teach us and provide us tools on how they have moved beyond their comfort zone and create amazing breakthroughs of profit, opportunities, and impact. Now let's get started.
1: Welcome to Moving Beyond Your Tribe. I'm so excited to have my friend, Patty Powell, who's really been one of my most instrumental people in my life, at least in my latter part of my career. Welcome, Patty. And she um, started Restore C, and we met each other when she was on the flight of 7C going towards New York, and I was in 7A, and we had a discussion. And it led to a partnership at AGR, uh, which we were able to help save the company through storytelling. And then through that experience, well, you still were in Norway before me, but I kind of like to say I had a fraction of a moment helping you out with Restore C, or at least inspiring you to come
2: to Norway. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I still remember. I think I met you on my 48th trip to Norway. I, you know, as you and I talked earlier, I haven't been to Norway, unfortunately, in probably five years, but I think I capped off at my 67th visit. (laughs) How did you even come to Norway? I don't even remember that. What took you to Norway? Yeah, so I had a consulting firm and my work took me to Norway and from 2008 to 2010, I visited Norway. 48 times but as you know Torand, i never saw the outside of oslo right the <laughs> capital yeah because because um all of my work was in oslo and it was kind of interesting so after being in norway 48 times one of my clients right i had four clients one of them was with you but one of my clients was kind of offended by the fact that i never set foot outside of oslo And they were the ones who offered to take me on a three-day hike in Western Norway. And I felt bad. Why hadn't I done that?
1: I was like, dude, I should have gotten
2: you on a trip. (laughs) But you know me very well. I know. That's why I never asked. I never thought you'd say yes. Yeah, I didn't want to go. I, I mean, I don't like nature. At that time, before my knee replacements, I had really bad knees. And I'm not athletic, right? So the antithesis of all Norwegians But I went because they were my client and it was kind of the greatest thing ever. And that's why I love your whole premise of expanding your tribe, because by expanding my tribe and my thought process, I was able to find the greatest ingredient that I've seen in the 30 years That I've been in the beauty business, and that's what led to the founding of Restorci, right? Just through this, and you've
1: done four hundred beauty products in those thirty years. That's incredible.
2: It's what you and I always talked about. Everybody is good at one thing, and the trick is, is you have to figure out what that one thing is, and then you just have to go for it. So I was never a cool girl. So unlike you, Torrent, I was never a cool girl. I'm like a big old nerd, but I always love science. I got into Harvard Medical School, as you know, and Harvard Business School. I didn't end up going to medical, the medical school, but I just love science. And that love of science led me to go into product formulation. So I worked for some major cosmetic companies. I was adopted by their R&D group. I love scientists. They taught me everything, introduced me to doctors who taught me everything about skin. And that's kind of what started the whole journey.
1: But you're not just a scientist because with us, you really helped us with marketing. I mean, it was pretty significant what you we, we did. I mean, we traveled to all these offices and and you had a really good sense of strategy,
2: marketing, and product development. Wouldn't you say? Thank you, Torin. I always thought I was a good marketer until I started C, really? and I actually, after a year, after year one, I had to call my business partner who has $20 million invested in Restoracy to apologize. And I was like, Manir, I'm so sorry. I'm not a marketer. He goes, what are you talking about? And I said, I am not good at generating awareness and trial, right? Like I confuse people, I bore people and they just can't, I can't get traction, Right. I can't get traction for C, And he was like, I don't think that means that you're not a good marketer. I think it means you're in the wrong, you have the wrong route to market. What I learned from that was, was so for everybody who's starting their own company or, or wants to start their own company, identifying what your route to market is, is the most important thing. If you have the wrong route to market, you're kind of done. And by that, I can just talk about Restorsi's experience. So as Torn and I caught up prior to starting the podcast, she was like, So what happened? How did this happen? And I go, Well, I found this great ingredient, and I said in Bergen at oh, a salmon God. hatchery, but they didn't know how to formulate with it without killing the enzyme. And we can talk about the technology, but without killing the enzyme, I was the first to figure out how to formulate without denaturing. And what happened was, was that for fun, after a year, I had this day cream and I had this eye cream. And for fun, I sent these ugly lab samples to the buyers of Neiman Marcus, Bergdorf Goodman, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom, Sephora. And they all wrote back and they said, we're going to take your line. And I go, what do you mean? And they go, you're great. Your product's great. Your story's great. We want to be a part of your journey. We're going to take your line. In Torrent, I was so excited about getting distribution because distribution is so difficult to get that I didn't stop to think, is my line and me, are we like a retail brand? I never stopped to think about it. And the answer was, no, we really weren't. And we weren't because I am not a good marketer, right? I can't... I'm not cute. I'm not fun. I, you know, it's hard to like get, it was hard for me to get trial and awareness. And it well, was, do you only- think so? I'm sorry for stopping you there because yes, you might not have
1: been good with maybe a product where you are the front person. But when you were helping us, I mean, you were quite significant. I mean, it was like you and I. I mean, do you remember
2: when we did the presentation to Shure and Sven? Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, I still remember like many good memories. I still remember too when we like slept in the same bed because we couldn't get a hotel room. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we had a lot of great journeys together, but. But you were really, you were really significant
1: because when, well, when I, we met on 7C and it was like I had told, uh Shore had told me like, oh, What are we going to do now with the 2008 financial crisis? How are we going to get out of it? And he goes, well, if you have any ideas, let me know, right? And then I sit next to you and we have this wonderful talk on the flight. We take the lunch and you had this amazing strategy presented to to them and and they implemented it and we were able to help the company. So funny that you're saying that you're not a marketer because I was like, wow, you are such a great
2: strategist for us. But that's because the PAL Principle had the right route to market and it was helping companies solve their pain point, right? That was my route to market. And that's what made the PAL Principle very successful. For Restore C, I didn't stop to think that I'm not a retail brand. Oh. And it was only so we were successful, but we were never going to make any money. And by that, I had really good top line, but As you and I always talked about, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's about how much you take home. I was never going to make any money by being in retail because it was just so expensive. And it was only when we pivoted and I reformulated and I created a whole line for dermatologists and surgeons that that was our route to market. I was like, wow, these doctors are my tribe. So define route
1: to market, because I think this is really fascinating because it's like you knew the PAL principle consulting really, really well. You knew the route to market, you knew how to get it out there, you knew how, but sometimes we assume that you can take that same formula somewhere else. Is that what you were seeing
2: differently? No, it was because I didn't give any thought to what mm. my route to market should be for Restore right? So with the PAL principle, when I met you, the PAL principle was in year three. So I had a chance to actually think through what my route to market was. Who is my customer base? How can I help them? I also had a whole list of published case studies, right, that you and AGR could refer to. And I had glowing recommendations. Restoracy happened so quickly because I didn't think I was going to be able to get distribution. I thought securing it would be a lot more difficult than it was. And shame on me. I did not think about whether the market that accepted me was really right for my brand.
1: Isn't that interesting? That's a really fascinating. And I think that's what happens a lot of times. We think we know something and we don't sit down to really think is, do we really know what we know? And ask the questions. I think that's something for the listeners to think about is if you're starting a business, you know it well, but do you know it well enough? Go through the question process that's a real that's a real amazing learning point.
2: I got to tell you, by the time I pivoted to doctors, my investors and my business partner were so mad at me. Nobody believed me. When I told them that I was pivoting and doing this, they're like, but you don't yeah, know. I anybody. didn't understand why you were doing it either. Because yeah. you had like Gwyneth Paltrow using the product, didn't you? I did. I did. But And she was awesome. She tripled my PR. She quadrupled my sales. But this is the problem. When you have an A-list celebrity. Like her. It's not her, but it's her brand. You have to spend so much to support it, right? In advertising, social media, everything. As I explained to her, the good news was, was that she quadrupled my sales, she tripled my PR, she gave us a tremendous amount of visibility and exposure. The bad news is, is that my sales would have to increase 20 fold, 20 times. To pay out the spend and the investment oh, so wow. it was yeah so it was, it was wow. not a long-term solution you wouldn't think that that's yeah. so interesting and it's not her so you know she goes by GP to her friends so GP was awesome but Gwyneth Paltrow the brand To do a photo shoot, you had to use a photographer that cost $100,000. You had to use a manicurist to cost $5,000. You had to use a makeup artist who cost $25,000, right? So when you deal with an A-list Academy Award celebrity, it just comes with a lot of spend, not at their Mm -hmm. insistence. And then I had to hire 10 people to manage it, right? Like, yeah, it was a lot. I never knew that. You're absolutely right. Cause when you
1: get to that level, you have to keep up the level.
2: Completely. I, I get,
1: yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how, what happens? So you, you learn this whole thing about, I'm not really sure about my route to market in retail. And then you find your tribe and then your investors are like, what are you doing? How did you resolve that? That's pretty significant. You know, how I just, just kept going.
0: Shift?
2: No, I just kept going. You so kept this going? is a whole thing. I didn't know anybody in, in the doctor world, zero So how did you do that? How did you shift? That's a pretty, that's amazing. Okay, so this is what happened. So I hired a sales force. They were like awesome. They were so successful in their jobs. They sold Botox. They sold skincare products from my competitors. They were very, very successful. But after six months, half of them quit. And they quit because they couldn't open any business. And they were like, this is not good for our career. I go, I completely understand. I'm so sorry. And I felt so badly. So what happened was, is that I cold called five doctors who were on their list. I got on a plane. I traveled to see them. Torrent, I closed all five. And I asked these doctors, I'm like, why are you taking my line? And what I realized was was that when you sell something to these doctors, so I focused on the best doctors in the U.S. in dermatology and in surgery. They're called KOLs, key opinion leaders. These are people who pharmaceutical companies pay lots of money to to get on the podium and speak and consult. And and I didn't have any of that. So these doctors are like, listen, they go we like you you're smart you could talk about your technology you have all these great published studies it's different from everything else we're trying and what i realized was was that these doctors are the decision maker you know it was like an agr sure you were the decision maker sure just said yes or no but like this would be like going going to him and i was like oh and doctors don't talk to sales reps i didn't understand that oh. so what I realized was, was that these doctors were my tribe, right? Like doctors are mean, they're very competitive. They're very snobby. And they go, we are like, I say this to them all the time and they go, we are, but you know, we all got along a, because they felt like I had the credentials to make the sale, to speak to them. Wow. But yeah, that's kind of what happened. And then the second hard part was, was to convince their staff Right, but they were the first point of no. But if you can't get their staff on board to sell it, you're done. So then it was about getting the staff to be excited about restoracy because they're the ones who sell the product. But after doing it by myself for four months, I was like, holy cow, I see the light. And I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. And I'm like, what is this light? Torrent. It was the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm like, holy cow. I realized that all I had to do every day is put on the backpack and slog through the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And you and I are friends because we're not afraid of hard work, right? We just need to kind of be pointed in the right direction. I was like, holy cow, this is really going to work. And every day I would just get up and I would slog through the tunnel and every day the light would become brighter. And that's actually what sustained me for the 18 months it took for my board and my investors to believe me. And now, and it took, honestly, we launched the ProLine in September of 2015. They honestly did not get on board till probably 2018. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they gave but, you, you know, the faith to go ahead with it. Or you they- just keep going. And that's the second piece of advice that. I would say to people, so the first piece is you need to find your route to market. But the second piece is, is, that you just have to keep going. You know, my business partner calls it threading the needle. You know, you can stop or you can just keep going. But if you keep going, your chances of threading the needle are much higher. I've got a great business partner. I have great board members. I have great investors. But at some point you just have to, take a stand in what you believe. And yeah, and that's kind of what happened. Wow. That's
1: an, ima- that's an amazing journey. And so now Restore C has two product lines. You still
2: have the uh, public product line. Does it we still do. It's so confusing. But what happened was, was that, so Restore C is an interesting little product. It, tell us a little bit about it because we have yeah, really so about the we're, We have a 90% repurchase rate. I mean, it's crazy. So I have this little tiny market, but everybody is a very loyal consumer. So what happened was, was that when we pivoted to the Durham line, we still had a lot of customers who wanted to buy the retail line. So that's why we ended up having two lines. And it's kind of happened with doctors too. So I'm only in 120 offices because I wanted to be with the best practices and I wanted to be with offices that loved Restoracy. As I always say, you don't have to like me, but you have to love Restoracy. Restoracy is like my child and I want my child to be successful. Right, exactly. And so, you know, we're not everywhere. I learned from working in luxury goods, it's all about scarcity and discovery, and exclusivity. So even though we have a small user base, they're incredibly loyal, as demonstrated by the fact that, as you and I talked about, so New York closed down, shut down completely on March 20th. On March 23rd, I had 100 emails from patients begging to buy C because their doctor's office had closed. So C has gotten to break even because of our repurchase rate. And the reason why is our technology is very unique. And I know that a lot of people say that, but ours is truly unique in that it is the only molecule that only cleaves the dead skin cells. It leaves the living cells untouched. So for your listeners, why is this important? Well, it's important because every other exfoliator molecule, it, they work by burning through layers of living and dead skin cells. So they exfoliate, they help reduce the appearance of dark spots, but they have these adverse events, right? Because when you touch the living cells, it results in thinning the skin, it results in redness, irritation, and flakiness. The significance of our enzyme, which is a biologic, completely natural and sustainable is, is that it only digests the dead skin cells. So when it only digests the dead skin cells, your skin receives... Continue the benefits of continuous exfoliation, but without any of the side effects. And I found this enzyme, ironically, through through my multiple journeys in Norway. And it's why I love your brand, which is expanding your tribe. Because had I not gone on this hike, I would never have found this enzyme. So what happened was was that we're on this three day hike. After day one, I could not walk. So on day two. I'm desperately looking for a way to get out of hiking. We're in the middle of nowhere. I'm having this anxiety attack. I look on this fjord and on this fjord were these buildings and these buildings belong to a very famous salmon hatchery. So I convinced my clients to drive me down to the hatchery to take a tour. And while touring the hatchery, I noticed that the workers' hands, they're gloved, but they were constantly submerged in the post-hatching water. And the reason why they were in the hatching water was for two reasons. One was they were either herding the little tadpoles into another tank because it takes them two months to grow into little fish, or they were picking out the unhatched eggs and the eggshell fragments because Norway is completely ecologically minded. They were using the eggshell fragments and the unhatched eggs, and they were recycling them back into fish food. So the workers' hands were submerged in this hatching water all day, every day. And Torrent, as you know, because you are Norwegian and you've lived there, it's a federal law that you have to feed your employees a hot lunch. You have to break for lunch and you feed them a hot lunch. So while we're eating lunch, I'm looking at the workers' hands, I'm looking at their faces, I'm looking at their hands, I'm looking at their faces, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like wondering. They're like, what are you wondering? And I go, how come the skin on your hands looks like it's 20 versus the skin on your faces, which is not looking so young. And the, and the reason was due to an enzyme that the salmon fry, the baby salmon, released at the time of hatching. So unlike a chicken that can peck its way out of its eggshell, a baby salmon cannot. So when it's ready to be born, it releases this enzyme. The enzyme dissolves the eggshell membrane And it creates an opening that the salmon can swim out of unharmed. When this enzyme comes into contact with human skin, as I said earlier, it only cleaves the dead skin cells. And the reason why the worker's hands look so young is because the skin on their hands were receiving the benefits of the continuous exfoliation without any of the thinning skin. So it was really interesting. So this was 2010. And I said, this is so cool. How? long have you known about this enzyme? They're like, oh, since 1998, we actually have a patent on it. And I go, okay, but it's been 12 years. What has been going on in 12 years? They're like, no one can figure out how to formulate with the enzyme without denaturing it. So denaturing is that they basically killed the enzyme. So I asked them, so I'm a formulator. I asked them to send me a kilo of the enzyme and they're like, well, who are you? And I go, well, nobody, but what do you've You know, and so it took me, it took me a year and we became the first to figure out how to formulate with this enzyme without denaturing it. And that enabled us to receive, we have 35 issued patents in 31 countries, Norway included. That's actually our story. We have over $50 million, US dollars, invested in the development of this line. So we're probably the only independent skincare brand that can say that. I was very fortunate in that we were able to raise $58 million in three weeks, all from high net worth private individuals. Impressive. Um, thank you. But we needed that money to secure the exclusive rights to this enzyme. The only way you can get it is through us to field our clinical studies, which have been published in major dermatology journals, and to support our issued patents. So it's been kind of interesting. Wow. So this
1: uh, the enzyme makes your skin look more fresh, youthful, and young.
2: Like- it does. So we call it the restorcy Glow. It takes eight weeks to see results. But after eight weeks, everyone sees this glow to their skin. And the glow is due to the fact That the enzyme helps reduce the appearance of dark spots, helps reduce the appearance of redness, gives your skin a smoother and softer texture so that when the light refracts, you get this glow. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, and the yes, enzymes.
1: I is, loved it. I loved it. Is, I used the eye cream. I used the eye cream for a long time. Yeah. I went to enzymes... Neiman Marcus and bought it. But then when I was in Manora, it was hard to, hard to get it shipped. But every time I went to Columbia to get my master's, I would stop by Neiman Marcus to get the eye cream. No, I appreciate that. Like, so right now, do people at all order
2: the retail product or is it mostly the dermatology project now? It's okay. actually both, Torrance. So what happened with COVID? So COVID was kind of great for prestige skincare. I know. I think that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So as we talked about, COVID was no one's fault. It was a pandemic that we should have been prepared for. Shame on us. But it happened. And out of necessity in the U.S., most businesses shut down in March and were not up and running for probably 13 weeks. And I only know that because I could track how long my gray roots were becoming. (laughs) So it was definitely 13 weeks. So... It was really interesting. Three days after the shutdown, as I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, I received 100 emails on the info at begging me to sell them the ProLine products because their doctor's offices were closed. I answered every email. I copied the relevant doctor on it. And I said, just wait for three weeks. I'm creating a link that you can purchase because C is contractually prohibited from selling the professional line direct to consumer. Mm -hmm. But what we were able to do is, is we created custom microsites, one for each of the 120 doctors. Each doctor had their own link. Every time their patient clicked on that link, the doctor received 40% of the sale. And so that is actually what saved our company. It was such a brilliant way of finding a solution, finding a loophole.
1: Thank you. I realized I'm a wartime leader. I, and that's I my, true because at AGR it was a wartime thing. So yeah, do, like I love the you were awesome. Like we were such a
2: team. I, I and so fun. are you. I, okay. So what happened was, was that my business partner emailed me and said, Can we set up time to talk? And I go, Sure. And As I'm talking to him, I'm going through all of our points. And he goes, wow. And I go, what'd you think? Like I was going to sit in a ball, like crying in my apartment. And he goes, kind of. And I go, (laughs) no, you know, like, look, I hope that we never have to go through this again, but I think I'm a glass half full person, as you know, I think you just got to kind of take everything and kind of roll with it. Right. And you can either curl up in a ball and cry, or you can just go, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. And this is what we're going to do. Don't you think that's a lesson in itself? Being in wartime, you know, you
1: just, you got to go through it. You just can't sit. I think that there's almost two responses to COVID. It's either ones that sit and drink alcohol or drink themselves in sorrow, or it's the people that's, how can I use this time to do something about it? I learned a lot from it because I, I was depressed at the beginning and I was so thankful that someone says, well, why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, I could do that while I sit here and wait for COVID to end. <laughs> And that's kind of what you did.
2: You just got to keep going. You know, just life is great. But it's not easy. And you're like, okay, next, next, next. You know, like I moved to Houston, as we talked about, to be, to live with my 87-year-old mom. Woke she's up. just a
1: great fashionista. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she oh, is. She... I know. Oh, my I gosh. She,
2: she puts me to shame. Oh, oh my gosh. She puts me to shame. Like, literally, Oscar de la Renta when he was alive, he goes, oh, my God, Patty, your mother is so fabulous. You, on the other hand, need a lot of work. I'm like, I'm sorry. I know. Like, she's so <laughs> glam. But, you know... It's been good to be with her during this time, but, you know, Houston, we didn't have any water or power and the temperature because the people who I didn't who run believe the- you
1: when you sent the message, like when you were yeah. saying to me, uh, we have no water, no power. And I was like, what? How could that be possible? And yeah, then you the news the- that it was possible. The-
2: Yeah, because the people who run the state of Texas are not smart. And by that, and I am not a judgmental person, but I call people who are not smart, people who, like, look, if you don't know anything, ask someone, right? Ask for help. The people who run the state of Texas, they should not be expected to understand how to deal with 13 degree temperature. But you know what? Shame on them for not reaching out to their counterparts who do, right? right? Like, I don't know why Governor Abbott couldn't have spoken to Governor Cuomo or Governor Pritzker, who's the governor of Illinois, and said, okay, so how do we deal with this? How do we, how, how do we prepare our population? How do we prepare our grids? What do we need to do? They did nothing. And what happened was, was um, they did not estimate correctly the amount of power that, was needed. And when they found out that the amount of power that was needed would blow up the grid, they understandably shut down the grid. I don't blame them for that, but I fault them for not reaching out to understand how to estimate better. I fault them for not having any reserves, right? And I fault them in 2011 they were encouraged by the federal government to winterize the natural gas pipes and they didn't. So what happened in Houston could have been avoided. And I hope that the state of Texas at least learns from it. I don't know if they will, but I hope that other states actually learn from this as well. I think they do. I think they're thinking about it.
1: So, what do you think? What is next for Restore Sea, And how did you come up with a name? I think that's it. Really oh, so it was Restore from the Sea because. Oh, um, Restore from the Sea.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. you had that
2: cool Norwegian. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 That was kind of what happened. So, what's next for Restore C? So, we raised our money. So, our investors invested in Restore Sea because we always told them that we could license our technology. We took that model. From when I was at Avon and Avon was the first to commercialize glycolic acid. And Avon licensed the glycolic acid technology from a company called Neostrada. And they turned Avon anew into a billion dollar franchise. Wow. So our investors were very intrigued by this and that's why they invested. But what I didn't understand was, was no one cares what I think. So, I thought I could go and license this because I had $10 million in clinical studies. I had all these patents, but no one cared, right? Because why would they believe me? But Proline completely changed Restoresi 180 degrees for the better because it not only enabled us to get to break even, but more importantly, I had 120 of the leading dermatologists and surgeons. Chattering away, telling companies how great Restorcy is. And that's actually what has enabled us starting in 2020, end of 2019, 2020, that's what enabled us to start implementing our licensing strategy, right? So the whole reason why these people invested. So that means you're licensing out the product to someone else? We're licensing out our technology, which is, so how it's working now is we've signed four licensing deals. Three will be, one is already launched, which we can talk about. Two are going to launch in the first half of this year, and one will probably go into 2021. In all of these deals, I created custom formulations for these licensees that they own, and they pay restore a percentage of the sale. Great. Um, yeah, yeah. So our first licensing deal that we signed was with a company called Hydrofacial. They are very famous because they have a, a beautiful device that does microdermabrasion. They have about 14,000 machines in the U.S. and in Canada. And I believe they're in, they're internationally as well. So they were looking for a company to help them develop formulations, right, that they can move through their machine. and. We developed for them a lip product. It's a two-phase lip product designed to go through their machine. I knew it was going to be successful. We, when we tested it on a hundred people, Torrent, everyone, I took a picture with the iPhone. Everyone had a great after result, a, a definitive after result. Everyone's lips were more were plumper, more hydrated, and all those like little annoying lines were gone a hundred percent. Yeah. So it's a product that is designed to run through their machine. It takes five minutes. Everyone gets a great result and you can make the results look even better and last longer with the take-home kit that comes with the price where you apply the serum nightly. You let it dry for five minutes or five to 10 minutes, and then you apply the lip elixir on top for hydration. So that launched on February the 5th. The Hydrofacial team is scheduled to present to my board on March 1st during our board meeting. So more to come. But yeah, I was very encouraged when their sales force said to their management team, they're like, this launch is what good looks like. Oh, that's great. That's exciting. So when you look back right now, like what
1: what would you say through the war times of all the things you've done? I can't believe you've done 400 products in 30 years. You've now... done Restore C as a pro in retail and you've done some amazing things and you've met with some amazing people out too, like through, through with Louis Vuitton and so forth. What has been your life hack? Because you've really, you've had a very glamorous life, a very fun life. Uh, I mean, I loved always hearing your stories when we were tra- traveling together. What has been your life hack to be where you are
2: today? It's always being open. You never say no to anything. You're like, okay like literally. And that was, and the perfect example of that is, is I met my first client in Norway because a friend of mine promised to do a project for them and she couldn't do it. And she recommended me and I felt so badly for them that I took the call. I wrote the presentation for them for free. And the next day they called me and said, can you come to Norway and present? And I got on a plane and went, and then I went home the next morning. So my life hack is you never say no. You always stay open to new things. But I have to be really honest. I made a conscious decision to not get married or have children, right? So that's what enabled me to do all this, right? Like, so I was one of those girls. I never wanted to get married. I thought I wanted to have kids until I realized you worry about them your entire adult life. And I didn't (laughs) want to do that. And so, but it was a life choice, right? But that's what enabled me to be able to do all these things at a moment's notice. We just stay open, never say no. And the biggest thing is, is always help people and expect nothing in return, right? So if, if people reach out and they want help, and so skin off of my back, right? Like to help them, I will do my best to help them. I'm a big believer in karma. I think that just have to kind of help people and not expect anything in return. And the perfect example of that is, is with C. So when I got the distribution at Bergdorf Goodman, I needed to raise money. My three best girlfriends from Harvard Business School were instrumental in the fundraise. Between the three of them, they knew all 900 people in our class. I mean, we were 25 years out but they were very popular. They, I was not popular. They were very popular. They knew all these people. They reached out to them. And my first round came from my classmates, primarily from HBS, but the person who became my co-founder and business partner was one of the initial investors, you know, it was kind of crazy. So I met him. He was two hours late for our meeting I was so happy he was late because I just used that time to actually read, right? Like, because, you know, when you're like, especially when you're raising money, it's such a fraught process, mm-hmm. but he was so upset. He gave me two hours. He never asked about C, He asked about me. And at the end of two hours, he said, you know, I still have, this is so interesting. I still have all these questions. What are you doing for the rest of the day? I go, nothing, right? <laughs> Staying open. I go, nothing. He goes, would you be willing to fly back with me to Chicago? That's where he lives. Meet my wife and my daughters. He has five daughters. I go, sure. I go, oh, wait, but I have a doctor's appointment. He goes, you have a doctor's appointment? I go, yes. He goes, where is it? I go on 68th and 2nd. Okay, we're in Battery Park City, right? 68th and 2nd is on the Upper East Side. He goes, okay, what time is your doctor's appointment? I go, two. He goes, oh my God, it's a quarter to two. He goes, I'll drive you. I go, okay. We run out of the Ritz Carlton. There's like an SUV and a driver named Muhammad. He goes, Muhammad, you got to work a miracle and get Patty to her doctor's appointment. He goes, okay. We get to the, my doctor's appointment. Maneer goes, it's two I go, great. He goes, how long are you going to be? I go, I'll be done by three. He goes, great. We'll wait for you. No way. Yep. So at three o'clock I'm knocking on the SUV. He goes, Wow. You're very punctual, because he's not. I go, you're very punctual. And I go, I am. So we drive to the airport. We go to the Westchester airport. And I go, oh, I guess we're flying Air Tram. We keep driving. The SUV rolls onto the tarmac. In front of me, 20 feet away, is a dissot Falcon. I go, <laughs> You own a Dassault Falcon. He goes, How do you know? And I go, I did a project for them. I sold 81 jets to all these high net worth individuals in China, right? He goes, yeah. So it was my very first time on a private plane. We fly to Chicago. We land at Pawaukee Airport. There's another driver, Faisal, waiting for us. We drive to his home, which was a mansion on the shores of Lake Michigan, where he owned his own beach. I meet his daughters, who at that time were 8, 10, and 12. That was great. I have dinner with he and his wife, Kristen. There was a private chef who talked about the menu. And before we had dessert, I said to Kristen, I go, I completely forgot. I have lab samples. Do you want to try my product? She goes, sure. I have to go find my bag. I hand Kristen the lab samples, which look like this in a Ziploc bag. And they're both smiling at me. And they're like, we just want to let you know that we're in. And I go, great. And I'm thinking to myself, Torrent, I'm like congratulating myself going, I just raised a hundred grand in less than eight hours. I am so awesome. And they're looking at me and they're like, don't you want to know how much we're in for? And I go, yeah, how much are you in for? They go, the whole thing, the whole thing. And I go, huh? So and how you much know, is that? 58 million? No, it was um, at that time it was a million five, but I'd I'd already raised seven hundred, so he, no eight hundred. So he put in seven hundred. At the end of the day, he put in twenty million. But I have to tell you, he wired ten million dollars to ABT in Norway with no paperwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like his lawyers are like, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. He called me, and I'm like, he goes, do you think I should do this? I go, it'll be fine. Okay, lesson to everyone listening: do not ever wire anything. Do not wire a dollar to anybody without any paperwork. This thing could have gone wrong in so many different ways. I mean, it didn't, it was fine, but it was just, I mean, it was just being lucky and I think having good karma, but yeah, do not do that at home.
1: (laughs) Wow. What a story. I'm so excited to see the next stage of this. And, uh, and it's exciting because we'll be doing a clubhouse thing together. So I know the clubhouse tuned. is going to be great. Yeah, Stay tuned. And so thank you, Patty. This was a lovely conversation. And I'll remember to say yes more often.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening. If you happen to like this episode, please share with your friends. And if you're new, please pop on over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and how we can improve and make this better or how this has helped you. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode.